Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. So uh, we uh, had a worship service last week where we talked about um, building new places to worship God will always cause weeping and rejoicing. Do y'all remember, for those of you who were with us last week, we, talked, we concluded our This Here Flesh series uh, where we talked about how sometimes building up our own faith structure can cause weeping and rejoicing at the same time. And that was kind of a segue into this sermon series, which is called da, 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 The Deconstructionist Journey! We got new letters made from the artists in our community led by Sarah, who read scripture today. Yay, yay, yay. Listen, because we're not serving like linear processes here, okay? Deconstruction is not like A, B, C, and it's done. There's a little bit of like rainbow road that we're going on here. There's a little bit of curly worvy that we're, we're going on here. And all of that is part of the deconstructionist journey. So um, this is part of our spiritual growth goals that we discerned for 2022. Uh, one of our goals was to, uh, was deconstructing and reconstructing belief systems. Deconstructing and reconstructing belief systems, deconstructing what has been harmful, oppressive, and uh, hurtful for our understanding of our body, our neighbor, and our world, and reconstructing a belief system that's like, you know, I believe that, that God still has something to say about justice in this world. I believe that Jesus wants us to be doing something about this. We're reconstructing beliefs as we deconstruct. And in fact, this is so important that we are um, not just going to be dancing around like the kind of the the new city classics for scripture. We're not just going to be like going back to the vision of the new city or or doing um, some of our favorite gospel passages. No, no, no. We are going to be focusing on the book of Romans (laughs) because the book of Romans is one of the most weaponized books in the Bible. The book of Romans is one of the most weaponized books in the Bible. So we're not just going to be playing light like, oh, we're just liberals who kind of believe everything is everything. Like we're, we're like, no, I believe that the Bible has something to say about justice, even the texts that are most often misinterpreted for the sake of oppressing people and people groups. I believe that there's something, there's a great gift in Romans. And actually, now that I've started to study Romans more deeply through seminary and as well as just because I'm like a Bible nerd and I just like love this stuff, I've realized that Romans is actually like amazing. Um, And so like, so for example, here we have, so Romans has this thing that says creation will be liberated. As in like, like Romans has this thing that's like, all of creation is yearning for the liberation that God is waiting for. You know, like human beings are part of liberation. All the earth is going to be part of that. And that is like an exciting thing. And a lot of eco-theology, which is a real thing, <laughs> comes from some like Romans 8 kind of vibes. And so like, okay, thanks Romans for that. Um, and then we also have this little line that says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life will be able to separate us from the love of God. And this is the abbreviated version. For those of you who have studied this, you know it's like, neither death nor life, nor heights, nor depths, nor angels, nor demons, nor haters, nor trolls are ever going to separate us from the love of God. The haters can't separate us from the love of God. 
we need to remember that in 2022. So, um, so Romans has some really great stuff. Romans is like a book that even if you were to read it with no uh, academic background, there are certain little blips of stuff that I believe that each one of you would like really benefit from, something that would inspire you. And Romans has been uh, interpreted to justify homophobia, body shaming, nationalism, and probably racism. As in, like, I haven't, I haven't heard an interpretation of Romans that has further racism, but I just know that the empire be empiring, you know? Like, they just, they just find a way. So, um, so there are ways that some of the most significant misinterpretations of scripture are at play in the book of Romans. If you, you know, like this week we had the, the hearings for the January 6th investigation. If you all were like upset about the, um, the invest, uh, about January 6th, if you all were like, wow, I don't know if this like hyper white racist nationalist, hyper masculine, uh, expression of Christianity is what God's hope is for the world, then, then you all should be caring about what happens in Romans. Like if you care about like how, what the, how people are wiling out in the name of Jesus out here, then like we should all be turning back to Romans and being like, okay, so what is actually going on here? What is actually, um, the scriptural basis for some of the actions that we find deplorable. And how do we like understand that for the sake of, of creating not just a deconstructed uh, white nationalist Christianity, but a constructed understanding of the gospel. Not just deconstructing to say like, oh, we're not one of those bad ones, but constructing what it means to be uh, a, a member of liberation, part of the movement for liberation. And so, um, so I just want to name that, like, we have to deconstruct without the house falling us on us. A lot of folks at New City have come from backgrounds that uh, were in more conservative church settings, in church settings that maybe like doesn't didn't teach things that they now believe, and um, and and so like deconstruction is on the minds of a lot of people at New City. And I should also name there are folks at New City who have had really lovely church. Uh, childhoods as well. So it's not like just the displacement. And there's uh, a handful of folks at New City who didn't grow up with any religious tradition at all. So however you're coming into this space, however you're kind of checking us out, you're at exactly the right spot. I just want to name particularly for folks who grew up with some harmful beliefs that there's some deconstruction to do. And sometimes the way that you deconstruct things matters because if you deconstruct things in, in a way where it's like you're in the house and you're just swinging a sledgehammer around, that the house might fall in on you. Sometimes people like are, start to take away beliefs uh, uh, so fast that it's kind of like things start to crumble and then it's like nothing matters at all. And um, it kind of reminds, did y'all ever see like Encanto? Uh, so do you remember that one scene where like, okay, if you didn't see Encanto, uh, there's this scene where like, um, there's this house that represents the family and at one point something happens, no spoilers, and, um, and the house starts to fall in on itself. And do you remember like, uh, the house was like throwing furniture up to try to protect Maribel? This? <laughs> and I was like, why am I crying because of a house? I don't know, but I am. And, um, and so it's like, sometimes it's like the house, uh, it, it can go down too fast. Like if you're like, you know what? Everything about that was bad. Everything about God is bad. I never experienced anything. All of this was terrible. Forget all of this. Sometimes that can kind of feel like a house is coming down on you. 
And I think the, the reality is that the, the, the difficulty of deconstruction is that there were some harmful things that, that kind of like set you up on, on a path that you don't appreciate. But sometimes in this religious upbringing, there's also some meaningful things or some things you're grateful for or um, some things about God that once you feel them, you can't unfeel them. Like there's some experiences that are like, whoa, something was real there. And like, no, I don't uh, appreciate the homophobia things. And no, no, I don't want uh, the implicitly racist things that were, or explicitly racist things that were going on. But there was something about the experience that was like, I can't unfeel how I encountered God in that. And my um, caution for you is that if you are going to go on this deconstruction journey and you throw out even the things that, that were meaningful to you or even throwing out the, the ways that you encountered God, that that might start to pull the house down on you. Um, and, and my urging for you is to instead uh, to slow down in community and for us to kind of go through piece by piece what exactly it is we are deconstructing and what it is we are choosing to hang on to. And so we have um, a worksheet that accompanies, the, because of course we have a worksheet, I mean, <laughs> hello, <laughs> have you been to New City Church? Um, so we have a worksheet that accompanies this that goes through a process of deconstruction, a process of deconstruction that goes through these different step, uh, steps, naming like I believed, as in like what you previously believed or what you previously packaged, and then um, I empathize looking at um, like, what was it about that belief that you chose to believe it? Like what was happening within your belief system that you're like, this actually kind of makes sense. And for folks who grew up in more radicalized settings, like I was talking to someone who was like, I think I literally grew up in a cult. Like I literally grew up in a cult uh, that was Christian, but it sure seemed culty. Like, for folks who grew up in that, you might have to go a couple layers down to discover empathy, where it's like, okay, I don't believe in kind of this like valorization that we had of a pastor. I don't believe in like the, the kind of like semi-verbal abuse that was happening every sermon because he would just yell into a mic until people like uh, deferred to him. But I do believe that belonging is important. And I chose the, uh, this church or I chose to be part of this community because there was part of me that wanted to be, uh, to belong with folks. Or I do believe that, um, that, that the holy exists and I was just looking for a place to encounter that. Or I did have questions in my life and these folks had answers. Like something inside of you was like finding purpose and meaning in this. Or maybe it was like, I was a kid and my parents made me do this and I didn't have a choice. And it's like, okay, so maybe what your, the point of empathy is that, that you're connecting with your parents, that like this was like a way that you understood what it meant to be family together. Whatever it is, I think it's important that you name that there was, that you had um, something being met in, in, in your personal life, in your inward life, because then when we get into the reconstruction phase, you can find a new thing to address that same need. And so if you were part of this community because you were seeking belonging, then you can intentionally be seeking belonging in other places. You, can I get some snaps? Do you, are you getting what I'm trying to say here? It's like, it's like, 
I think that folks who are new to the deconstructionist journey are really hard on themselves. And they're like, I'm, I was such a fool. Or I should have seen it this way. Or man, like what an idiot that I, that I didn't get myself out of there sooner. And I think that um, th there's a step for us to be like, well, let's practice kindness on your, let's practice kindness for yourself. Let's practice kindness for, for what was going on. Because for some reason or another, you were making the best decision that you knew how to make given the cards that you were dealt. And we're trying to empathize with that. Um, and then to uh, move towards forgiveness, this is a hard one for folks at New City, uh, moving towards forgiveness, meaning like I'm not going to let the burning coals of my resentment continue to like, like latch onto my life and stop me from being able to live a more liberated life. Like, like forgiveness is like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm allowing what has happened in the past to not be forgotten, but just to not dominate my life for the rest of my existence. Uh, for folks who had really negative experiences that might uh, also involve some trauma work and, and maybe literally talking to some therapy or doing some somatics or doing some embodiment work um, to process that through. But I think that everyone kind of carries something with them. And, and the act of forgiveness is to say, you know, like th that church system might have ruined the first 18 years of my life, but I'm not going to let it dominate the next 18 years of my life. Like I'm, I'm going to let what is past be uh, let in the past. And, and forgiveness is an important step of that. Um, next is uh, n naming a new belief, naming like, okay, what do I actually believe about all this stuff? What do I believe about God and community? Naming like the world that you do want to live in and that you do want to be part of. And then lastly, naming what action steps come from that belief. Because here's the thing, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get real real for a little second. Um, we're in like a social media culture, uh, a little bit of, um, like trolls, sideline critics, it's really easy to criticize what is wrong in the, in the era that we're in right now. It's really easy to criticize like how messed up something is or how it's really easy to cancel something. And sometimes cancel culture is necessary, but like it's really easy to be on the sidelines talking about how bad something is. And it requires a little bit more vulnerability to name what you actually do believe or to name like the limb that you are actually willing to step out on because like uh stepping out on a limb is uh, means that you might be criticized or you might be canceled by other people and that can feel kind of vulnerable and scary but there is it is no life to live at all if you can't have a constructed belief system of you know like to constantly live in fear of other people's criticism is like idolatry of, of other people's critique. You know, like the, uh, you're choosing a belief system one way or the other. Um, and so, so here's an example about Romans. Um, so let's walk through the process looking at the reading that we just had. So I used to believe that Paul is a judgy colonizer and I should be too. Like it sure seems like, you know, from an American Western lens that it's like, wow, Paul is like, I want everyone to be Christian. I'm responsible for all these people groups being Christian. And that means like, uh, like okay, so that probably means that Paul was like the Puritans <laughs> or like, the, you know, like, like the, we automatically jump to like the quickest frame of reference that we have. And it's like, okay, so that probably means that Paul was like dominating power over oppressing other people, not allowing other people to have belief systems. And I think like, you know, uh, in, in a lot of church systems that folks in New City grew up in, it's like, well, that means that you have to do that as well. That to be a good Christian means to like forcefully dominate other people's belief systems until they like bended to Christian theology. 
um, to manipulate people. Um, I, <laughs> um, in Christian history, there's this thing that was called um, flirty fishing. Have you ever heard of flirty fishing? Um, so it's just as bad as you think it is. So it was like um, the church would, um, the most beautiful young women of the church would be sent to bars to befriend lonely men to trick them into coming to church. Is was like a, a, it was called flirty fishing. This was a tactic that was used. Women's rights who? You know, like objectification who? Um, so like, whoo! I, I think that like all of that is in this vein of interpretation that's like, well, Paul must have been exactly like the colonizers that we've experienced uh, in our history, and, and Paul must be replicating that. And so, like, we have to, and, and so the next step would be, like, how do you empathize with that? And I would empathize that Paul actually wanted to unite feuding Christians for the sake of collective liberation. So, like, first of all, Paul was not writing from a position of power. Paul was not an emperor. Paul did not have, like, authority over a military or over, like, the world's GDP. Paul, <laughs> Paul was not, like, advocating for committing genocide in, against indigenous people. Paul was already from uh, a persecuted people group who was like going around the world saying like, hey, there's like a certain way that we can show up for each other that is like a liberated way of being together. And so Paul was advocating for liberation. And, and it's true that he cared about a lot of different people groups, but I think that I would argue that it came from a vision of collective liberation more than simply colonizer mindset. So I empathize with that. I forgive, uh, you know, this is talking to yourself uh, back then. I forgive myself for saying the things I've never, I would never say now. You know, like a lot of folks, uh, I was talking to a, a New City person who's talking about um, giving out tracks. Did any of you give out tracks when you were a kid? Like the little thing that's like three quotes from the Bible from totally different parts of the Bible with no context. You're all sinners and everything's, and God's gonna punish that sin through hell next page but jesus is gonna stop god from beating you up and and next page all you need to do is do like boom 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 this is what it means to be a christian next page what do you what do you come to church with us right like there a lot of folks grew up where it was like this was kind of what was expected of the right natural thing to do to hand out tracts to people and and i think that like sometimes we have to forgive ourselves for decisions that we've made or forgive ourselves for, um, for beliefs that we had. I never passed out tracks, but I remember, um, I grew up in a, in like a, a moderate, like middle left, uh, mainline church, uh, United Methodist church. And that taught me a lot of the big pieces, but I remember, um, in my church library, there was the left behind series. Have any of you read the left behind series? Oh Yeah. I'm gonna, because I'm a Christian, I'm not gonna drag the graphic design of the Left Behind series. We're just gonna move, we're just gonna move right ahead. Um, um, because the theology is what I take issue with, not just the fact that it is so ugly. But, um, but also, but all, the theology is the issue here. Because I remember journal, being a kid and journaling, like I sure hope that the rapture doesn't happen because I'm not sure what, what's going to happen to my family or the people at school. There's kind of this anxiety of like, well, what is going to happen to the folks I care about? That like, um, I, I think that I need to show compassion on the older version of myself, or the, I should say the earlier version of myself. I need to show compassion like, hey, you were showing love for people that you cared about. 
And, and maybe the theological basis for that was not accurate, but that was kind of like some grown-up's fault for not filtering that through to you as a kid. Like, there's some forgiveness that can happen here, some, some compassion. Um, and the next step, uh, saying, I, now I believe that an interpretation of scripture that results in oppression is empire and not gospel. Anyone? Yes. <laughs> like, anytime any scripture results in the oppression of people, then it's just the empire using uh, even the best gifts towards the worst ends. Like, anytime that we're going to be oppressing people groups, that, that is not the vision that Jesus had for the world. And, and so, like, our, our commitment as Christians is to allow the, the Bible to support us without um, allowing, like, the kind of the propaganda machine of American Christian nationalism to convince us that the Bible actually wants us to commit violence to people. Um, and uh, so what I'm doing about it is I'm leaning into creating a healthy, faithful community. Maybe for, for you, as, as an example, like, um, if you are trying to deconstruct some of the things that you grew up with, maybe leaning into community and giving this a shot in a different kind of safer setting uh, is, is the next move for you. So um, I want to give a, a, not yet, I, I, oh yeah, 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 no, so I want to give a quick, sorry. <laughs> I, can we just give it up for Ab for just stepping in? Listen, um, the, t like two batteries have died in this, <laughs> in this, we had one and then we had a backup and then another one, so, um, uh, so Ev is manually switching the slides and we're very grateful for Ev. Um, so, so I just want to give one more example of what deconstruction and reconstruction might feel like in your life. One more example. And so let's say that you are an environmentalist and let's say that you have um, a house or an apartment where you have some green space in front of you. And let's say that you learn that uh, grass lawns are kind of bad for the environment. I don't know if you've heard this, but like grass lawns are like really water intensive and really um, like fertilizer intensive. Like a lot of times fertilizer uh, will drain off into the drains and like pollute the Mississippi River. Like grass lawns are like kind of like this ideal of what it means to be a certain like middle class that was inherited from I think like British um, um, uh, interpretations of, of beauty and city planning. And so like grass lawns, you know, like isn't gonna end the world tomorrow, but like maybe like not the best for the environment. So imagine that you're an environmentalist with a home who heard this and you were like, okay, grass lawns are bad for the environment. I've now learned better. I now see a different way of being. So I'm gonna rip up all the grass in my lawn and just leave it there. Just let the, let the, the piles of, of dirt you know, that before when protected by plants was probably like richer, uh, more fertile dirt that now at, that you've ripped the protection off is just kind of like exposed to the sun and all the microorganisms are dying. So then all of a sudden it just kind of becomes a bunch of dirt and dust. And, and, and you realize that if I were to just deconstruct grass, all I'm left with is dust. If I'm just gonna get rid of the harmful things, having learned that they're harmful, then all I'm left is this like barren place. And, and for some folks, that's where they get off the bus. For some folks, like deconstructing and having a barren place is still better than, than having a harmful lawn and that's like how they choose to live their lives and that is absolutely 100% your choice. And 
as someone who just like is obsessed with Jesus and God and the Bible and stuff, I want to name that there's an invitation for you to not only take up the grass, but also to plant a garden. There's an invitation for you to create something beautiful in your life, something that can, that can feed other people, something that delights you and supports you. Imagine waking up and have, just knowing being buoy, buoyed, yeah, buoyed by just this belief of like, God is love and I'm a child of God. Imagine like showing up to the hardest part of your job being like, my belovedness is not on the line and neither is the person that I'm having this fight with. Like imagine how different that would make your life. Imagine the garden that could come up in your soul if you believed something and practiced that in a way that forced you to be a little bit vulnerable about your beliefs, forced you to step out on a limb that maybe other people, you know, because maybe other people don't like bell peppers. Maybe other people are like tomatoes, ew, 2006. You know, like maybe like, like are they fruit? Are they vegetables? What's going on? Like, like maybe there's gonna be some trolls or some, some unpopular beliefs with your friends that are like, Ew, snap peas, gross, so many carbs. Like, maybe there's something that is worth believing even if other people criticize it. And maybe there's, like, some opportunity for abundant life in your life that God is waiting to, to grow in you. This is our opportunity and chance. So I just um, want to uh, name that, like, this is, as a community, this is what we're going to dedicate the next six weeks to, how to deconstruct and reconstruct in a helpful way. For those of you who did grow up with a little bit of religious trauma or church trauma, I'm just gonna name right now that it's gonna bring up some stuff. It's gonna bring up some like, oh, I don't like that, or like some uncomfortable feelings. And I wanna name that New City Church is a, in our worship space. We're gonna be practicing some like somatics to be able to settle that back down. And if it ever gets to be too much, you can always put pause on this and then revisit this series later. Like, we're not urging or forcing you to revisit this, but we're saying that as a community, we can deconstruct better than if we were doing it by ourselves. And, and as a community, we can grow a garden, a beautiful garden, better than we could if we were just going at it by ourselves. This is our hope. That, that the God who created a garden in the beginning of the world that was beautiful and good and had fruit that, to feed people and, and, and leaves and, and animals, that that God with that kind of garden imagination might seed in you the type of rich life that you are most deeply desiring. Um, this is my prayer for you this week and every week, this sermon series. Amen? Amen. Amen.